Welcome to the OMA Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. And in this episode, we're going to continue to feature interviews from the OME Gazette column, uh, Coding in the Classroom with Ian Brody and Beza Caesar. And in this latest June edition of the Gazette, Ian and Beza are interviewing STEAM teacher Amanda Deneau. Yes, that's STEAM, not STEM. That is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. So let's get started. Welcome to the audio version of Coding in the Classroom, our column in the OME Gazette. Beza and I are seeking out teachers across the province of Ontario to talk to them and learn how they are using computational thinking for learning in their classrooms. Uh, welcome to uh, Coding in the Classroom. We're delighted to have Amanda Deneau here to chat with Beza and I about uh, coding in her classroom and in her role as uh, an instructional leader and and uh, and a real go-getter in like the province of Ontario. So uh, hi, Amanda, and could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Ian and Beza. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm honored to be here this morning. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a mom number one. <laughs> and number two, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I teach grade seven and eight STEAM. It's new this year, our program we're building for science and technology in the arts program and math. It's awesome. Totally loving it. In the past, I've been instructional leaders consultant for my board. Um, I live in London, Ontario, and I have a side business called We Steamed Innovation that I founded a year ago this week. Um, basically the, the main goal of this business was to, at first it was to bring coding and computational thinking and robotics to my small town for my children to have some, some robotics and activity. Nobody was offering it. So I thought, let's do it. And it was just small one night a week. And then the business grew more and more into different, um, different contracts with different companies for education consulting. Uh, so I, work with Inksmith, which I'm super proud about, and do some work, um, education consulting and translating and other things with them with their with their action kits. Yeah. Yes, we really need to give a shout out to Inksmith for doing like an amazing job uh, for giving us things to play with. Sorry, uh, things to learn, things to learn with. Yeah. And just being part of their team. Um, I loved them before. I love them even more now. And I'm super pumped to be, be on their team. So I have that. And a lot of work with OEME, and that's how I met Ian, my new pal. We've been working together about a year, Ian, maybe more, more than a year oh, now. More than a year. I think we started around, actually, I think we started around this time last year. Yeah, yeah. so we, Ian and I were the coding leads for the Ontario Math um, Elementary Project uh, for the new lessons, which was super fun. I'm still tinkering with that. I'm working with the OEME as well to do the grade nine de-streamed math. Oh, that's webinars yeah. and, and projects. So that's been cool. And I tinker with other companies giving education consulting workshops and coding workshops, but not just with computer science. I do art and other things as well. Yeah. And, you're a, and you're a musician as well. Well, I am. I'm a musician, but I don't know if you can call it that if you don't use it enough. But I did have a, I did have a, a gig about a month ago for a fundraiser. It was the first time I played in front of people in eight years. Yeah. Wow. So musician at heart, just not very practiced. <laughs> yeah. So we're curious, how did you get your start coding and, get, and robotics and, and steam? Like what, what well, was it that started you off? It was someone that started me off. Okay. Uh, my very good friend and mentor, I would say Jackie 
Yardy. So what happened was we've worked together for many years. I've known her almost my whole life, really. And we worked together at a school in Amherstburg. And then I, I moved to London. And the summer I moved, she called me and said, there's a new job posted in our school board. It's an instructional coach for technopedagogy. And neither of us knew what that meant, but we thought <laughs> it was pretty cool. And we would potentially meet the, the criteria. And so she applied for the Windsor-Essex component of it. And this, my board stretches all the way to Owen Sound. So we've got different oh my gosh. cities. Yeah. So we're yeah. Amherstburg to Owen Sound. Yeah. Could, so actually, could, I, you, could you tell people what board that is? Just oh, yeah. So CSA Providence. So okay. we both applied for that position in different regions. And we both got it. So we ended up working together from Amherstburg in London, which was awesome to be on the same team together. And that's what started it all was that. Okay. And um, my director at the time sat us down on the first day and explained computational thinking. And we were like, okay, let's learn this. So we had a big learning curve. I was going to BIT and all kinds of what um, different conferences when we were allowed to go places and meet people. And my PD just started there and I was doing instructional coaching for elementary panel, the next year, secondary panel, the next year I was consultant. Um, and then I was leader and it was, it just started and, and grew because I guess what happened was going into the schools with the kids and actually getting an applause when you walk in was pretty cool. <laughs> That's what, awesome. I understood, uh, what I understood that you started with teaching and also learning. So it's just goals along with mm -hmm. and what resources helped you in that way. It was maybe just very quick start. There were so many resources, but it was hands-on stuff, like just being in the classroom and, and, you know, using robotic tools was really what engaged the students a lot or code.org and started with just game-based stuff. Minecraft was a huge hit. And then the math falls into it. It's there without even knowing it. It's kind of disguised. And I think a big day was in a grade three classroom. There was a student with severe difficulty in IEP, behavioral IEP, motivation, all, all of it. And he's isolated, of course, at his desk. And I introduced um, just the, just the code.org. It was yeah, hour of code of some sort, like just a quick lesson. And he started to do the Minecraft puzzle and it started to make sense. And you could see he was very excited about it. So we did it again the next week. And then he's standing over his teacher pointing to the screen, explaining how this works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the role reversal was super cool. And I was like, oh, because he was talking coordinates and he didn't know he was talking coordinates. Yeah. And he's in grade three. Yeah. He's in grade three. And then, yeah. you know, another activity with the Sphero and some people say it's just a little toy, which it is, it's fun, but kids want toys. And we were, trying to move the Sphero from one point to the next on, a, on painter's tape. And when it arrived at its location, it wasn't quite right. And I said, well, it's not on your target. And so they had to increase the speed or the distance, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they did it by one. Well, then it was too far. And so I said, well, I'm going to have to be a little more precise. So they put 0 0.5 and it was still too far. <laughs> and then they did 0 0.255. And said, you might need to be a little more specific. And then she looked at me and she says, oh, that's what a decimal is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the things that's starting to come out is just how much 
play is important when you're when you're coding and when you're doing robotics and to allow them to play around with the programs and to play around with the whatever they're creating right we yeah. were taught and it was great because i enjoyed math class but um the more the, the more i tinker as an adult that has responsibilities and i have to do repairs in the house or i like to build things which I didn't before. So I've been working a lot with wood in the last few years and building decks and doing things like that. Um, it's how much hands-on we didn't have uh, back in the day. And, and the theory was fun. I enjoyed math class, but I was able to memorize and, and perform. Yeah. But there's a, also space for that. So that's just it is there's, there's gotta be a balance. Um, it's not take away the formulas. It's they're using the formulas in my classroom. They're using all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They're just applying it to real life things where they're getting up, moving and making and making is where the math is really coming out. Like, but we sit and we learn some theories and then we apply them. That's the most important thing is don't just, this is why it works. How come just because Mm -hmm. let's, let's move on. Yeah. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that, about the intersection between the actual coding part and the, and the making part, because I think that's a really valuable space to go to. Yeah. So that's, we're in a maker space. My classroom's a maker space. That's the name of it. It's a oh, lab and they, they come in wow. to the maker space and I don't assess math formally. Like the other, they have homeroom teachers that teach their math classes. I, I assess um, their science and their, their art, but math is integrated inside. So definitely the coding piece is there. So the maker part of it, I try to make sure that everyone is, headed toward that like we're coding for a cause we're, that's our kind of our slogan yes. in our maker space yeah. is that why are we doing this and how can we make things better mm-hmm. so I've our big our big slogan is is that and then it's very focused on the global goals so everything that we're doing in coding and science with the help of Inksmith for sure because they've got that down pat is connecting a, uh, one of the United Nations Global Goals, Sustainable Development Goals um, to our projects. So why are we coding this? So if we're in Autocrat and we are designing something, uh, let's say a spork is the last project a kid was trying to design the spork for less use of plastic or whatnot and, oh. and utensils. So the kids are all designing an autocrat they're learning their rotations and reflections and all the things in their coding blocks because it's 3d and they're seeing the rotations on the axes actually happen yes but once they're finished with their design and they 3d print it they've got something tangible to relate to their global goal so the inventor movement the maker movement yes in it the math all came out accidentally we'll even say yes like you you can plan it if you want <laughs> but it's gonna happen yes yeah yeah so uh what do you think this uh current curriculum expectation how it's overlapped this global goals do you think it's uh this curriculum expectation enough to promote these goals or give a space what like the math the math curriculum expectations yeah, yeah. see the, the thing i've had some teachers asking questions during the webinars like what um what program what coding platform or project is related to the curriculum and there's no all of them like the the thing is is the curriculum is is designed from what it looks like i mean ian and i have examples of this is it's to read code alter code describe the effects of the code of the changes and could you make it better 
what did it do? So your curriculum expectations in the math curriculum fit everywhere. Yes. And, and even more with these expectations, what I really like is that they're actually pedagogical. So it's good pedagogy to read, to alter, just to, to see the changes. And then eventually you'll create your own. So the a big thing for me a long time ago is everyone's talking problem solving. And I'm, and I was like, no, we, get, we can't just talk about problem solving because we've been talking that, about that for a long time. It has to be problem identifying. And mm. that's what I'm trying to teach my kids at home too, is I feel that a lot of times we're just used to having someone tell us what the problem is. It's a lot easier to fix a problem when it's pointed out to you. So when we're handing out these questions to the kids and the word problems, you know, Ian's got five apples, Basil steals four. How many apples are like, that's not, that's easy to solve. It's the problems identified for you, but in real life, it ain't there. (laughs) When my my dishwasher doesn't work, I don't know why. Yeah. See, the answer to the apple question is really who cares? Well, it's in I'm trying to get the kids to identify problems. So, yes. you know, like yeah. teaching the kids to change a tire, how to, how, why, you know, why, where, where's the problem? Where's the sound coming from? And so when you're using computational thinking strategies, which is, you know, identifying, finding the patterns, where is it not working? How do I fix it? We're starting to teach little kids that. And I've got students in class asking me questions before even trying to find the problem and I won't answer. So did you read it? No. No. <laughs> this is a great point, Amanda. I think we jumped to the end, just problem solving. It is just end point and maybe sometimes uh, not that much meaningful mm-hmm. than problem identifying. Yeah, great point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what we're doing right now is troubleshooting. We have to mm-hmm. troubleshoot because it makes you better solvers in the end when you can identify where, where it broke down. Yeah. So that's, that's something I heard um, somebody from Cambridge said, she, she like, she talked about it as trial and improvement. So it wasn't trial and error. It was trial and improvement. And that iterative process that we go through that would like, honestly, the best iterative uh, learners are kindergartners because they'll try something over and over and over again and fix it all the time. We can't, we tend to kind of lose that. So do you, do you think that in the way that we're teaching computational thinking now, does, does that kind of bring it back for us? Maybe, but I think we've always really been teaching computational thinking. I think it's okay. kind of an innate as just being a little more identified because coding is definitely opens the doors to many job possibilities in the future and all those fun things. But the, the process of computational thinking applies everywhere. So even if you don't go mm. into coding this this computational thinking needs to happen. We've got yes. technology everywhere we are. And so if we can learn to think like that, then we can learn to solve that. Yes. And that's just it as the kids, you know, I'm teaching, it's, it, it's another tool. So learning block coding and scratch, we're not focusing, that wasn't the project. Like our project this week, for example, was teaching the seven um, sacred teachings in relation to your orange shirt day. We started an interactive poster. So they've got micro bits and makey makeys. And the scratch component was coding, but the goal of the project was an interactive poster. Yes. So that, we used coding as an, a manipulative and a, and a tool. Yes. So it's so, a double whammy. Yes. So uh, you thought that you're giving uh, PD, right? You're attending PD mm-hmm. seminar. So uh, how do you think uh, teachers views about that? How, we, how they see competition thinking 
concepts and coding. So how they link it? The majority of people who come to the sessions don't know where to start. Yes. And no, we were all there, but this is something, this isn't something new. This has been a thing. Computer science has been around for many years. Like mm -hmm. Seymour Papert's logo program that Ian yeah. always has to remind, you know, this is not new. 1980. So, 1980. And computer science has been a subject in secondary a long time. We're just now looking at our future and where is it going? And we're starting to just make more awareness younger. Yes. And, and I, I like the, the fact that we're looking at it as a tool as opposed to an end end goal. Mm -hmm. I will learn how to code. No, I'll learn how to code so that I can do X, Y, Z better. Yes. And, and we'll learn to code, but you're going to code to learn. So yes, you don't have to be an expert. And a lot of teachers are coming saying, I need to learn this and be really good at it. And then I say, guys, I don't know how to do textual coding. Yeah. And they're like, what? I'm like, I can a little bit, but I don't need to. I don't need to be great. I'm pretty good at Scratch. I'm actually fairly good at Scratch. Over time, I've had lots of practice with block coding. Yes. That will come. But you don't have to be better than the students. In fact, at the end of the year, if they're not more advanced than me, we're in trouble because I'm not going to be the one in the future. <laughs> I'm going to be retired on the beach. <laughs> so they have to be better than us. And that's what I try to reassure everyone is that this doesn't have to be a hard thing. It just has to be a fun thing. And then a lot of questions are, how often should I do it? I'm like, well, I, how often do they write? Yes. It, but, it's not a question that how often yeah. do we do it? It's just an extra tool. It's, it's, that's what uh, in our last interview, we had Diane Tapillo who said like, look, we all learn how to write. We're all taught how to write. We don't all become professional writers. Right. But exactly. we all need to learn to learn how to write for just about every single job you can think of. That's right. And a lot of people say, well, why aren't you teaching cursive? Well, <laughs> why aren't we teaching with a feather? <laughs> Things change. Let's teach, let's teach coding in, as a net, their other language. And we'll probably get a lot further than if they're... Awesome. I think there is a confusion because being a mathematician means you're better in math than students. But this is different. I think this caused some confusion for teachers. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. have to be superior. No, but maybe, superior maybe one of your that. students could be. So it is different if it is different than being a mathematician. Being oh, yeah, definitely. Like I have to be more knowledgeable in order to give them. And the even, even mathematics, this is also happened. Some, some students rate it super, so they could be better, better than you. So, yeah. yeah. yeah like and that's that. okay. It is. I, I tell my student teachers where, when I teach them how to code is that, you know, I'm not a coder, but I play one in classrooms mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with an accent so on the think, play. <laughs> so do you think the biggest challenge coming from the teacher side more than student side who are more open? Yeah, it's always that way when something's new, right? We're used to our routine and something comes in and shakes it up. And if you're not, you know, comfortable with change and taking those risks, it can be a scary thing. I remember looking at new content in the curriculum going, oh, okay, whew, now I got to go home and YouTube that. And that's okay. Um, it's going to take time. Everything's going to take time. But I just, my biggest message is show your vulnerability and tell and learn together. Like your day is going to go way better. Say, all right, I got this uh, program I heard about. Let's try it and let's see how it fails and let's see yes. how it goes well. Um, yes. outside of, I've got new rope, uh, Legos. Actually, they're old Legos, but they're new to me. 
and the simple empowered machines Lego kit. Oh. And I've never used them. And there's a pneumatic extension and renewable energy. And they're like old, old. But mm-hmm. I thought they were fun. So we ordered them. And I said to the students, like, I've never used these. So I'm going to give you the tools. And I'm going to prepare a lesson for where is this going? So I can definitely throw together some, some reflection questions on renewable energy. But there may very well <laughs> be a breakdown here. So... <laughs> We then realized that Lego didn't send the T connector in this kit. So we've had to write to Lego. They're sending me these T connectors. And, but everyone's realizing this won't work without this T connector. These three tubes will not work. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, how can we make this T connector? What else could we find? What other blocks could we find? It turns out there wasn't any. And then we were going to potentially go on Thingiverse and try to find a equivalent. By the time we do all this, we may very well get the T connectors in the mail, but it it sparks a conversation. Like, yes, so so it's a great example for our problem identifying. Yeah, yeah, you did it. Yeah, and let, let's put out a, a little bit of a thing for Thingiverse because it's amazing. So it's it's a collection of uh, 3D objects that you can then just download, modify, and then you can you can print them on a 3D printer. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's a go-to. Like if we're it's there's there's time and a place for it too. Like sometimes I don't allow Thingiverse because I want them to start from scratch to see certain knowledge and then say, okay, well, you know, yes. if you're taking from Thingiverse like their global goal inventor project when they mm-hmm. were making, making things. Um, if you're going to take from it, I want to see the original program because yes. I want to see what kind of modifications they're actually doing. Another, like one thing you don't want students doing is downloading this file, printing it and calling it done. There's very little learning going on there. No, no. That's what I recommend to teachers is when you are tinkering and when they are modifying code, ask them what they've done to modify it. It's all through conversation. The best assessment for all of this is conversation. What is this? Well, it's a fishing rod. Why did you make a fishing rod? Well, I've I've altered the end of it to pick up plastic rather than catch fish. So it's Mm -hmm. like you bring it on your fishing boat, but you can also pull plastic out of the water and in relation to the global goal underwater, all that. So life underwater. Yeah. 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 Not that. It's, it's really interesting when you have those global, when you're working on the global competencies and like global problems like that. And some teachers might say that, you know, the, the younger children are not up for something so complex, but I'm finding the opposite. Is that what you're finding too, Amanda? Yeah. Yeah. They just, it can just keep going. <laughs> yeah. It can just, it starts somewhere. And then I had planned my seven sacred teaching assignment for orange shirt day to be two periods and eight periods later like guys we got to be done with this because (laughs) it started with some research and it built from there and then the posters got bigger and then there were led twinkle lights and it it just blew up yes which is pretty awesome yeah. And so, so when you're in a case like that, you have to, you have to feel confident enough that, yeah, the, the kids are learning. They will be able to show me they're learning and I don't have to hit, hit, like, I don't have to hit this spot over here that I'd already planned. I can, I can forego that and let them go. 
and they will learn you they will just demonstrate their learning as well yeah and like so this week when we were doing that um one of the little boys wanted grade seven boy he's only you know 12 13 years old he says i want mine to make sound i said well we don't have the new micro bit like the one the speaker mm-hmm. we have the old version of it i'm like and i don't i don't actually have little speakers here right now so he comes back the next day with this tiny little speaker thing mm. he goes i've got a speaker now and said okay well he says well how do i how do i do it i'm like i i, I know but i don't want to tell you <laughs> but i do know you need alligator clips and so he goes and gets some alligator and, and you know there's so many make code has so many forums too which is great for the oh they do kind of stuff. like you can find forums you can find an answer on youtube in two seconds yes he did it he got his poster to make sound see that's that's the other thing when we're when we're making when we're coding and the other all that other things is yeah you can find an answer really really quickly but i'm finding even my students who are still in that they're 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 mark oriented yet right now rather than learning oriented even now they're going no i'm going to do it myself i'm going to do it myself Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and, and when you're looking for an answer online it does it's not cheating because you knew what no. your problem was to find it yes absolutely. that's what i said I'm like yeah. if you know how to research it and you know how to find that answer yep. you're resourceful you, you have at her that's how i that's how i learned how to do everything at home <laughs> i i had a, um, a math teacher friend who said if you can google the answer it's not a good problem <laughs> that's true yeah. That's true. And, and especially in math with Wolfram Alpha, you can put in like a sequence of numbers and it'll tell you if it's a sequence and it'll tell you how, and, and it'll like, it'll abstract it for you. It'll tell you everything you could possibly know about it. So if, if that's available, how do we get the, how do we get our students to do something that's, you know, that, that you can't just, as I said, like just look it up on Wolfram Alpha or Google it. Yeah. But, no, it's definitely true. Like I try to make the questions associated to all their projects, just reflection based and okay. Now, you know, all the, you know, the thinking and the knowledge and now let's apply it. Right. So yes. how could this, how could this help and why? And that's where the, I really like the global goal theme yes. that we have in the makerspace is that okay. great coding for a cause. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in what you've seen since you're actually working with, with the, the elementary students, what ways have you noticed that this has helped their students, cognitive and social emotional learning? Well, it's the obvious question is, is the confidence in some, um, and mm. then giving them the outlet of something that interests them. And then the other cohort that doesn't like this, but is pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. So it's, it's the excitement when it works in the end, that's giving them that confidence boost. I had a boy um, who's a little reserved, has an IP and all the things. And um, he told me this week that he wants to be an engineer. Now he wants to go to MIT awesome. because, because of scratch. I introduced scratch and where it came from and showed Jay Silver's vid, all those things. Yeah. And he says, I wanted to be in the military, but now I think I want to go to MIT. It was a very big, very big change for him in a week. Yeah, um, that's huge. But it's the feeling of accomplishment when he comes in and says, look what I made. Yes. And so I'm like, cool, let's modify it and make it do this. Can it do that? I don't know. We'll go see. So he is digging it. And I'm not kidding. When I walk in, I have five classes. Mm-hmm. And one of them continues to clap when I come in. They all used to, but now a month, a yeah. month and a half into school, 7C, when I walk in the classroom, 
they clap. Wow. <laughs> and I laugh. It isn't me. It's just they love the stuff that I teach them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So oh. uh, it's, it's interesting coming back to that, that, uh, that boy. It's really interesting that he must have been able to then see himself. Since he was successful at something, he was able to see himself in a different role in the future. Yeah. So that's really, really important for all students. Um, how do you think this has worked with young women? Does do they are they seeing themselves more as a STEM person now? Plus I don't think we know enough what STEM is yet. Like we're yeah. still working on them understanding why. Now it's just another tool. Like when we give, you know, you can either make a dance or a video or a song or a, or a coding animation mm -hmm. or a coding project. They sometimes choose it now. It's just one more, you know, instead of making a canvas poster, they may make a scratch animation uh, mm -hmm. to represent in religion class, like, you know, the Christian values of, of whatever. I'm just going to make a little scene in scratch with coding blocks. The girls are seeing that. Um, I haven't had a lot of comments like I had with that young man who wants to go to MIT, mm -hmm. but again, we're kind of still scratching the surface. So I've done some work with hacker gal okay. and I'm in communication with that organization. And I do have an all female class. It's the dance Academy and they're all female. Oh, wow. So I've got uh, 26 girls in one class Great. and they're killing it. They're, they're loving it. Yeah. Um, but again, it's more on the artistic side where the stereotype of math for boys, language for girls, it's really that gaps going like this Yes, because they're not even realizing what's happening. And the boys are doing more of the languagey stuff. Like it's kind of going, yeah. the gap's getting smaller. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're releasing like the inner creative of everybody, but then that also requires some more of the, the more analytical things in order to be more creative. And I think, you know what I think helps a lot, and this is really cliche, but TV helps a lot because th they're all watching Netflix and there's, there's shows more and more uh, where girls are in robotics clubs in their high schools Yes. and they're creating more, um, like being more makers. And I think that if that starts to happen more and more, that's mm -hmm. how it's going to happen is yeah. so relating to an actor or a TV show and seeing the girls yeah. on the STEM club. That's that's Paul Seung Lee from uh, from Kim's Convenience. He says representation matters. Mm -hmm. So it matters. We need to be able to see ourselves in the media. We need to be able to see ourselves in the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think being a female STEAM teacher too is going to help. Oh, it is. Oh, I have I have no doubt. And it really, really it matters that we have uh, women doing that job. Mm -hmm. We need we need diversity of everything, honestly. So. Uh, I think we talked chal on challenge, but maybe we could talk more about what are your challenge? What did you face <sighs> on the way, and what is still challenges? A lot. Uh, the challenges I have are class sizes. Like, if I'm gonna be completely honest, if I if, if if I were to say my biggest challenge in the day is how many students we have in classrooms. So I have a class of 32 that comes into my makerspace. Um, and I can definitely affirm that it is way harder to reach them than the 26, 25. It makes a big difference. Yes. Um, not having enough material for everybody. So I've had to, I'm super fortunate because uh, my school board invested in a lot of technology. So we've got a lot of stuff, but I have to reserve 
you know, and share with other schools. So at this point, I've got 32 kids that I want to do centers with, but I've only got 10 Lego kits for this, uh, five climate action kits for this. Um, so the, the organization and planning and the actual facilitating that many bodies is my biggest challenge, having mm-hmm. enough equipment to have, and then being there. So if I've got seven centers, because that's how many kids I have in the class, I have to have seven centers. It's getting to those seven centers in an hour. Yes. Yeah. So class size is, as we know, I think a really big thing. Um, in some ways, I think that's the reason the grade six math scores go down is because the grade three, they have class size of 20. Um, in yeah. grade nine, they have a, they have a, a school-wide cap of 22. Yeah. Grade six can be, as you say, up to 32. It's so, a big difference. It's a huge it's difference. It's huge. Yeah, you have to and as much as this class is great and they're engaged, um, they're loving it. It's not about students, but it's about the organization having the material and being able to help them with the material. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and troubleshooting. Yes. Yeah. So, are you having are are your students coming in with some coding knowledge now? No. Okay, so they're starting from scratch. Yes. Oh. Okay, so how do you deal with that? I do the infograph. Okay. Yes. So this, yeah. So the infographic for, for everybody out there is available uh, uh, either through Amanda's website, we'll link below, uh, or you can go to ontariomath.support, click on the coding, uh, coding icon, and then just scroll right to the bottom. It's I've used this all the time with all my, all my new classes, Amanda, I have to say, and it's, it's your creation. It's beautiful. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of it. And it's my go-to. So how do we start? Well, I introduce myself and I ask them to code me out the door with pseudocoding. And we talk about, and it isn't even about coding. I like, we can keep saying that word, but it's more so just about instruction, which yes. we're doing every day. We're brushing our teeth. We're doing everything automated. It's just the way it is, but it's just being more precise in the instruction and being aware of the patterns. So we do that uh, unplugged. And, and then I bring up this infographic and say, all right, sequential events. This is what it looks like. Give me examples in the real world. What is a sequential event? And then we talk about grade two with simultaneous events. Give me a real world example about that. We talk about their day to day when they're doing it at the same time. Well, you're being simultaneous right now. You're doing a sequential event. And if you want that sound to happen at the same time as that speech bubble, you can't layer them. Yes. So we just have those type of conversations. I ask them to modify yeah. Um, so they just remix it. We make our scratch counts and then they remix it and they play and just say tinker with it. Now add this block, what happens now and talk to them. And then I can yeah. walk around and I can talk with them. Um, and then we take them one grade at a time. So we are October, um, mid October right now. I've been with them since the beginning of September, no knowledge. And we're at grade four. So, and, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's just 20 minute sessions. We do once a week because okay. I have each class for 20 minutes once a week. And then the other four are our classes. Mm-hmm. So, for 20 minutes, once a week, we look at what that looks like on the infographic for five minutes, six minutes, and then we modify for the other 15. That's excellent. And now we're up to grade four. Yeah. And so then they can bring that knowledge and those tools into the one hour sessions. Exactly. So that's where my explicit teaching goes. I don't, they don't come to the makerspace. I go to their classroom. I teach it. They modify it. We talk about it. See you tomorrow then they have already learned that loop. They know how to bring it into the next day. Um, and it's not even just like, yeah, they, they're smart enough to say that you can repeat something three times and they know that's more efficient. It's not even about that. It's about 
breaking it down even tinier and going, all right, so this shape fits into a circle because all the sides are the same. This operator block using 360 divided by the number of signs is the exact same as whether I actually have to find out the, like they're finding this stuff out going, oh. Yes. And so they're relating that math while they're making their animations. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. And uh, do you want to give uh, give us your website for your company? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and put it uh, in the chat. That way I can, I'll, I'll put it sure. in. I think so. Okay. So yeah. yeah, no, my company is called We Steamed Innovations and We Steam ED, like We Steamed, play on words there. Yeah. We Steamed Innovations. And the word innovations is super important to me because it's not, it's not just about, um, you know, the techno pedagogical stuff it's about innovating being makers and it doesn't have to be plugged in yes. it can be unplugged too cool. and that's how i get around as an adult is <laughs> learning how to problem so, identify problem solve <laughs> cool so this is not just online you're doing something physical things there right that's right yep so that uh, for for our listeners that's we steamed innovations.com <laughs> i would like yeah. to visit as well Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, we, yeah, definitely. I want hacker gal in. I want some ink Smith to come in. I want Basil to come in. Like I want yeah. an open door. We just patiently are waiting for that to happen yeah. for everybody. Right. So. Cool. Thank yeah. you very much, Amanda, for coming. Uh, it's been a really nice time chatting with you and uh, I look forward to hearing you on the podcast. Definitely. Thanks for having me. And Ian, I can't wait to collaborate again in our next project. Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely. Okay. Have a great, great okay. day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And goodbye. Coding in the Classroom is written and produced by Beza Caesar and Ian Brody for the OAME Gazette. The editor for the Gazette is Tim Sibald. Thank you for, to Upbeat and Soundroll for the theme music. And that was Ian Brody and Beza Caesar interviewing Amanda Deneau. You can check out their column, Coding in the Classroom, in the OAME Gazette. And now, just a note that we will be back for Season 5, can you believe it, Season 5 of OME Talks in September, and we will be featuring sessions from the recently completed OME 2022 conference. So stay tuned for that, and in the meantime, stay safe.